Let's pray. Father, we uh, come to you and we come into your presence uh, with thanksgiving in our hearts. God, for all that uh, you've brought us through this year, all that you brought to us this year. Uh, Lord, you've been so, so good. And I thank you that we can sing together those words uh, that joy has truly been made known because the Savior has come into the world. And as we gather around that today, uh, our hearts and our minds join together in unity before you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you minister to us uh, so that as we're going through this time, uh, that we wouldn't mishandle it. We wouldn't misuse it, uh, Lord, but we would allow your blessings to flow uh, through our lives and that you would give us eyes of faith to see clearly uh, how good you are, how great you are, and how great a love with which you have loved us. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. If you want to join me in the reading, I'm going to begin in Luke chapter 1 in verse 26, where the angel Gabriel visits Mary. In Luke chapter 1, in verse 26, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored Woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and would be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I've not known a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month of her who was called childless for nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. So we find a young woman engaged to be married, visited by an angel and given some pretty startling news. You'll give birth to a son. She said, how's that going to happen? I know how that works and that hasn't happened yet. How will this take place? And he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God or the unique one, the set apart one will truly be God's son. Now, in the midst of that being amazing, I'm sure it was also very unexpected. Wasn't, she, what, wasn't what she was planning on going on that year. Wasn't what she was planning on have happen. And I'm sure it was going to be arduous. There was probably thoughts in her head about that. That this would definitely be misunderstood. And it would affect the relationships that she had with her family and others around her in the community. 
And we see that also when we look in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 on the effect that it had on her betrothed husband or her fiance. In Matthew 1 and verse 18, the birth of Jesus came about this way after his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit of God. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So Joseph, her fiance, a righteous man, according to Matthew, was facing public disgrace and disappointment. This wasn't how he planned on things going either. He didn't understand why things were happening this way. And he had decided to do away with her quietly, divorce her quietly, to avoid additional embarrassment. You wonder all those thoughts that are going through his mind, all those different motivations. There's regret. I can't believe this happened this way. There's guilt. What could I have done different? But the Lord brings him in that time and in those emotions, comfort and peace and direction. It's like, Joseph, I know you think it's gone off this way, but actually the Lord has been at work. And I want you to join alongside with what he is doing, the child to be born. You're to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And we see his birth in Luke chapter 2 in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own hometown. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David to be registered with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest rooms available for them." said they went to Bethlehem because in those days Caesar Augustus had decreed that the whole empire should be registered. He was the emperor of the Roman Empire that was occupying the nation of Israel. An empire means it's, it's multiple kingdoms stitched together under one ultimate authority. And that was him and he wasn't a good one. Everyone must be registered. Why? So everyone can be taxed. And we know how that went, right? 
with the tax collectors and the nation of Israel. Everyone must be taxed and it forced Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem, fulfilling the prophecy in Micah of the prophet Micah in chapter five that said, and you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. One of the smallest towns, one of the littlest impact places. That's where the Savior would be born. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room available for them. In verse 8, it says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Now, when we read shepherds there out in the fields, we need to understand this was an overnight shift of a position that didn't have very much respect at all. Shepherds were not seen as a high class position. This wasn't something you wanted to go into or you wanted your kids to be doing. They weren't seen as people of high moral character. They weren't seen as trustworthy. They were seen as outcasts and undesirables. During this time and in this place in the world, the shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you this day in the city of David, a savior is born who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people that he favors. So to these untrustworthy, outcast, undesirable shepherds, the angel of the Lord appears. And we've spent a lot of time talking about the angel of the Lord as we've looked back into Joshua and Judges and even into now we're over into Samuel and Wednesday night Bible study. When the angel of the Lord showed up, it meant direction and help was on the way. But he was a mighty figure and obviously very intimidating. They were terrified. His first words to them was what? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people. Every one. It will be to all people. Unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior is born, who is Christ the Lord. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those that he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. 
The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. So they find Mary and Joseph, and they find the baby whose name was Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation. The Lord saves. These men from the lower levels of society gathered around the humble bed of the Savior of the whole world. And you see there in those last two verses, Mary treasuring these things in her heart, the shepherds returning, glorifying and praising God. What a beautiful and strange and powerful moment at the side of the manger in the little city of Bethlehem. Verse 21, when the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. In verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms praised God and said, now, master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. He held the baby in his arms, but by faith saw that God's solution was at hand to the problem of all mankind. He said, you will be a light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. It's almost like the Holy Spirit's real. It was everything going together, confirming what they had already been told over and over. This child blessing people even as a baby. Then Simeon blessed them and told the mother Mary, indeed this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. You see these two elders who've lived their whole life looking who have lived their whole life waiting 
for the consolation of Israel, for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna, a widow for decades, committed to the Lord, said she wouldn't leave the temple. She was always in there seeking him with prayer and fasting, looking and longing. And at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had completed everything, according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom and God's grace was on him. As we see all of these different people impacted by the birth of the Savior, the Christ child, we can look into each one of their situations and see that they were hurting, that they were needy, that the challenges of life loomed large. We talked about Mary and Joseph and just what that situation would have meant for them and how they had faith to see what others couldn't. But I'm sure there was a lot of stress and strain on their hearts and on their minds during that time. We saw how all Israel was under the orders of the Roman Empire and Caesar Augustus could tell them to go and they would have to go or to come and they would have to come. And what it was like to be under the thumb of Rome. We saw the shepherds out in the field at night watching their flocks. We see Simeon, an old man who's been waiting for the promise of God to be made real before his eyes. And Anna, a widow for decades, lived with her husband only seven years before he died. And 80 plus years wouldn't leave the temple seeking God. And obviously time fails to talk about the wise men. We could jump over there and talk about the ones that came from the east, probably the disciples of the prophet Daniel seeking and searching for what they were lacking. We ought not to trivialize the things that they were dealing with. These were everyday people like you and me who dealt with problems and pain like you and me. And Jesus was born in the midst of and as a savior for them. Needy and hurting people in troubled times. And it's the same for us. Even today, all the things that we have that they didn't have, you could think through all the things we have available to us, all the things that we have at our right hand or our left that they did not have, and yet our souls are just as needy. Everything else that we thought would help us get across that line has always fallen short, and we find ourselves needing the Savior. Jehovah, our salvation, the child that was promised. I want to read from the prophet Isaiah, one that always comes up this time of year. But I want to read more of the passage than we normally see. Isaiah chapter nine and verse two says the people Walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. 
The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign over the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. People walking in darkness, seeing a great light, like the shepherds in the field, like the elders around the temple, like Mary and Joseph themselves, like us walking in darkness and then seeing the light of Christ. A light that's dawned on those living in the land of darkness. It says he's enlarged the nation, bringing many sons to glory and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time or like those uh, when when they're dividing the spoils. It's like this is the best time of your year when the harvest comes in or when you've defeated the enemy and you're getting the spoils of war. People are rejoicing as those who have won a victory or seen the security of a full harvest. Why? It says he has shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod of on their shoulders the staff of the oppressor, the enemy has been defeated. In verse five, for every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war, all the fighting, all the striving, all the conflict he's going to bring into peace. It said every trampling boot of battle, the bloodied garments of war will what? Be burned as fuel for the fire. Speaks of peace and rest and security and the war will be over. Why? Unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Who's us? The people who have been walking in darkness. The light dawned on those living in the land of darkness. So we celebrate this year and every year with those throughout the ages who have sat in darkness and have now seen the light and life and love of Christ Jesus. So we say with the shepherds, don't be afraid. There's good news of great joy, which will be to all people, because unto you, unto me, unto us, a Savior was born in the city of David, the Messiah, Christ the Lord. This is why we celebrate and this is why we wanted to take time leading up to today to prepare our hearts and our minds in him for what he would minister to us this time each year. We learned that what happens when you use something in a way it's not supposed to be used. Something gets broken. Somebody gets hurt. We don't want to use this holiday time, this special time each year in a way that it's not supposed to be used. It's not supposed to be used selfishly or self-serving 
leave because that's going to cause things to break, relationships to sever, and me or others to get hurt. We saw how we all desire to dwell with God, to be with him, even on his holy mountain. We saw how throughout the ages, uh, mankind has built even their own mountains in their own cities to try to reach his level, to reach up to him. And they never were able to do it. But thank God when we couldn't climb up, he stepped down and reached down for us. Sharing in the flesh and blood that we have, the children have, so that he could taste death for all of us and destroy the one who has held the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver those of us who have been held all of our life to the fear of it, all our life to the fear of death. Amen. And we see today that Jesus was born into a hurting world full of people with real and present problems. And he was born in the midst of them as a savior, Christ the Lord. I want us to do something a little bit different as we get ready to conclude today. I'd like for us all to come down to the front where we can partake of the communion table together. Who's welcome? Anyone who would, any believer who would come to the table is welcome. If you want to abstain, you certainly can. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to let it pass from you, or if you want to still join us at the front and not partake, that's fine. But know that Jesus meets us at the table he invited us to. So y'all come on down to the front. You can pass by the table over here. Looking back over these last few weeks, specifically, and of course, always, I'm just reminded that God... He is real. Yes, he, is. he is absolutely real. And oh my, how we need him. Amen. How we need him in our life, especially to be that in our life, to be God and Lord over us. And then what we see this time of year and anytime we look into the scripture is that not only is he real, but he's revealing himself through Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the image of the invisible God, God made flesh to dwell among us, Emmanuel, God with us. And not only is he revealing himself through Jesus Christ, letting us know more about his nature, his character and who he is, but he's reconciling us to himself through Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of the incarnate Savior, the one that came to save us. I really love what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15 where Paul writes, This is a trustworthy saying and worthy of wide acceptance or everyone should grab hold of this. Is this saying Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He said, this is a worthy saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he raised his hand and said, and I'm the worst. He said, I'm the worst. But if you look at the next verse, do you know what he says? But I've received mercy. It's a worthy saying that should be generally accepted. Everybody should grab hold of it, that Christ came into the world to save sinners and say, I'm the worst. I'm the worst, but I have in Christ received mercy. With Mary and Joseph, 
with all those who were under the thumb of the Roman Empire, with the outcast shepherds out in the field that most people in town wouldn't even eat supper with, with Simeon looking and Anna waiting, with all of them we have received mercy. Amen. So I wanted us to take communion together this morning to remember the mercy of the Savior that came about because of his incarnation, because he came and put on flesh and blood like we, the children, have so that he could taste death for us. He invites us to the table to remember that. So take the bread in your hand and I'll bless it before we partake together. Father in heaven. I thank you for that truth that Paul wrote that uh, you blessed and that still sits in front of us today, that Christ Jesus came into the world where we are from where he was to save sinners. And Paul said he was the worst and we can all look into ourselves, knowing ourselves and think we're the worst. But we have and he did receive mercy. I thank you that Christ took the bread and he said, this is my body given for you. He put it on and walked around in it for 30 plus years so that he could be touched with the feelings of our weakness. So that he could be our right and good high priest. We thank you that he put on flesh and that he used it to serve us sinners mercifully. And as we partake of the bread together, we remember that in the name of Jesus. And we remember that he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. It was the blood that pumped through his Veins that he would shed on the cross to taste death for every man, woman, and child who would believe in his sacrifice is sufficient so that he could defeat the one who held the power of death and set free all of us who were held captive under the fear of it our whole lives until he set us free. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we found in the blood of Jesus, that his sacrifice is sufficient, not just was sufficient, but is sufficient and will always be enough to save whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord. I thank you that it is in his blood that that, that we're covered, that, that it is our righteousness because it covered our sin and gave to us what only He could provide. We thank You that unto us a child is born, and unto us a son was given. And He is Jehovah, our salvation. We partake of the cup together and bless it in the name of Jesus. Thank You, Lord. Thank Thank You for Jesus. Thank you for the Christ child. Thank you that he came into a broken and hurting world and began the mending of it. I thank you that we find ourselves healed by his mercy. 
and strengthened by Him making Himself weak before us. I thank You that as we go into this next few days, though it's going to go by so fast, it's going to go by like a flash before our eyes. Lord, that we would stop many times during the next few days to just meditate on Your goodness. That this is the truth. That Christ came into the world to save sinners of which I'm the chief, but I've received mercy. And Lord, that we would rest in that, that we would worship in that, that we would work from that, that we would rise and lie down in that mindset. And Lord, I thank you for the peace that will come from it. Lord, I I call everyone under the sound of my voice, blessed as we go about these next few days. Lord, be with those who are already out from among us, traveling and running the roads. I thank you, Lord, that you'll bring us all safely to our destinations and safely back. I thank you, Lord, that you'll endow us with strength on the inside, that our inner man will strengthen us even if our bodies get weak. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit will lead and guide us and endue us with power, uh, Lord, to enjoy this time and to worship you. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus name.